Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm with Laura Barrett, who is the winemaker at Cliff Family Winery in the charming town of St. Helena in the Napa Valley. I am so delighted to be with you today, Laura. You have a great story. Cliff Family is an amazing brand. So how does a girl from Massachusetts end up in the Napa Valley? I grew up in a family in a small town called Southboro, Massachusetts that knew nothing about wine. They didn't drink wine. We, we just really wasn't a part of our lives. But I took a science class in high school where I had a female science teacher that really inspired me to love science. Um, so I decided to major in chemistry for my undergraduate degree. And I got about halfway through my undergraduate work and realized that um, I was really bored and the coursework was so dry and I was definitely afraid that I was going to land, uh, you know, in some basement pharmaceutical lab and never see the light of day for my career. Oh, no. So, <laughs> no, it was a bit of a crisis. Um, but I had come too far and I had worked too hard and I was really good at it. I was doing well. And so I wanted to finish my studies, but I promised myself that I would find a really interesting application to a chemistry degree something that I could work with people, something that I could work outdoors. Um, and that was really cool and fascinating. And so I had a friend that uh, was a really brilliant guy and said, you know, you should be an enologist. And I didn't know what that meant. I had to look it up and do a little research and studying. And um, I began to understand what winemaking was all about from a fermentation science perspective. And I discovered the graduate program at UC Davis, and I was intrigued by the University of Adelaide in Australia and began to think about pursuing a postgraduate studies in wine science. And then what happened? And then I uh, packed up my car and I drove across the country and I moved to, well, actually, sorry, I missed a little bit of a really important step, which is that I traveled to New Zealand um, after I graduated from college. Yes, Waikiki Island, Yeah, right? Waikiki Island. Um, I had promised myself some travels afterwards as well because I didn't get the chance to study abroad and I wanted to. Um, so I went to New Zealand with a friend and she had a connection to a family that owned a vineyard. Um, Waikiki is a small little island off the coast of Auckland. So it's this tiny little place that has a ton of viticulture and winemaking um, because it's a little warm microclimate um, on the North Island. Most of the reds are in the, in the South Island. Oh, well, uh, more like Hawke's Bay region. Um, so not the prime spot for Bordeaux varietals, but this little microclimate was really amazing. And so I, that's where I really discovered wine um, and a love for the industry as a whole, where it's food and wine and viticulture and farming, um, and decided that I was surely going to go down that path. At which point, I returned home and moved to California, applied to UC Davis, um, and started my master's program there. And that was 2001. 
Okay. So while you were at UC Davis, did you start working? I had a harvest uh, internship at the Napa Wine Company in the lab. That was a very easy fit for me coming Mm -hmm. out of my undergraduate degree. Uh, And that was before I started at Davis. And then I did my uh, my studies in about um, a little less than two years. It doesn't take very long. Um, And then when I finished at UC Davis, that's when I worked a vintage at Fisher, Fisher Vineyards in Sonoma County. Then I traveled again for the winter and, and then returned to Fisher as their assistant winemaker, and that was, uh, that was 2003. Fisher captured your heart, and you, you stayed in California. Absolutely. You worked at Fisher for a few years. You worked at Casey Flat Ranch for a while, and then you landed here in 2014, and your first vintage was in 2015. Yeah, so I started at Cliff Family Winery. Lindsay Gay, who is the president here and has been for a long, long time, um, her and I connected. Uh, she was looking to hire a winemaker, and um, I started here in November of 2014, so it was right after vintage. Um, so I really mark the 2015 vintage as my first, the, my first wines here from grape to bottle. I had the whole growing season to really make some changes in the vineyard, make some changes to some of our grower partnerships, and really craft the wines um, that I wanted to, to make in 2015. So, But I did have my hands on the 13s and on the 14s, just blending and bottling. You've been here now almost 10 years. Yes. How has your winemaking style evolved? You know, I think that I have really learned here at Cliff Family um, what it's like to be very vineyard-specific, and in a couple of different ways. The first is working with grower partners. What does it mean to farm at that site for a very specific winemaking program? And then when you move to our estate programs, um, and our Howl Mountain properties are a great example of this, is we have two Howl Mountain Cabernet vineyards that are in the same AVA, um, growing the same varietal, that are so different. And what does it mean to um, really get your hands on these grapes and craft wines that are so site specific um, and and own it Um, it's been a really lovely process and now we have a new vineyard in the oak knoll district where i'm getting to do the same thing in a completely different ava so this will be my third vintage working at that property so it's been a steep learning curve um, and a really fun and exciting one Um, i think i've also learned how to make wines on a larger scale Um, And that's a lot of growth that we've had here. Uh, When I started, we were making just 4,000 cases, and now we're hovering a little more around the 12,000 case mark. Um, So when I was making Rosé of Grenache at 250 cases, how different that can be when you're making it at 2,000 cases, and what are the logistical decisions that need to change in the winery with scaling volume, Um, and how do you maintain quality? How do you source grapes at that level? And... Uh, you know, it's um, so there's been a it's been a huge growth in my knowledge and experience, um, and just vintage to vintage, we've had a lot of um, challenges and wins, and um, and every little vintage offers you a piece that you get to take away and tuck in your back pocket, and that it's so valuable every vintage what it has to offer to our base knowledge and how we handle situations. I'm much calmer now than I used to be. <laughs> And what do you attribute that to? (laughs) 
experience. <laughs> <laughs> Children. <laughs> wine. Wine, yes, food. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your wines? What What is a Laura Barrett wine? I think on the white wine front, um, I have a very distinct style. I think I have to talk about it white versus red. Um, on the white winemaking front, I really like very clean, clear, crisp, fruit-driven, food-friendly wines. Um, I think that people really appreciate that style, and Cliff Family has uh, become known for that style of white wine. You're not going to find a lot of oak and viscosity and high alcohol. You're going to find more moderate to low alcohol, a lot more freshness from acidity and bright, bright fruit um, come jumping out of the glass. And I think our rosé is a perfect example of that. Um, on the red wine front, I think I strive for balance. And, you know, I'm dealing with Howe Mountain Cabernet, and you have to be really careful of tannin up there, um, making, you know, the most colored, biggest, chewiest, tannic wine might not necessarily be the best expression of the site up there so finding balance in um, how we're managing tannin and alcohol and acidity um, I feel like is probably what I'm best at on the red front wine category Um, especially in our new vineyard in the Oak Knoll district acidity is prominent um, so I have to pay attention to that like I have to pay attention to tannin on Howell Mountain. You have been a winemaker for 20 years now is there someone that stands out that really helped mentor you through your career so far? Definitely. Um, my time at Fisher Vineyards, working with Whitney Fisher um, and Mia Klein, was really the point in time that, that shaped my perspective on winemaking, uh, my attitude, my approach. Um, you know, it was... Mia was such a powerful influence at the time for, I think, both Whitney and I would talk about it. Whitney had worked with uh, many other consultants during her time as a winemaker. But um, for me, just um, weekly visits, you know, vineyard visits and blending sessions, those I think back on that all the time. And I still talk to Mia and would would call on her for... um, you know, advice or suggestions or lunch and just a very grounded, um, very uh, level perspective on quality um, and coaching and, um, yeah, just a really, really amazing, powerful time in my career. Fantastic. Uh, Top moment of your career so far? I have this story that I always tell. You, You know, I think I've learned over the years that, I've never wanted to sell wine. Selling wine has never been my my forte, but I always believed that my job is a winemaker and selling wine is someone else's job. But as I have more experience, I understand that I it really has to be one and the same. I have to be involved and I have to really care about sales. Um, but it's not my favorite piece. So I have this story of uh, after I finished bottling rosé one year and I walked into the tasting room and this it was February and it was a freezing cold rainy day Um, and this place was packed it was completely full there wasn't an empty table and 90% of the people were drinking rosé so it was just a really really satisfying story about seeing my product 
you know, I had just finished the wine. I had just bottled it. It was a stress to kind of get it out and released in a timely fashion for a wine club shipment. And it was when sales and marketing and production all came together. Um, and then this wine is released and people are drinking it at a very unlikely time. I mean, rosé is marketed as a summer wine right. and it was a freezing cold rainy day in February and everyone was drinking it. So I think that that's a very memorable moment for me in a story that I tell a lot about pulling all the parts of the business together as a whole and seeing like a total win and a success for everybody. We had an opportunity to taste a few wines a few minutes ago. I think we should talk a little bit about those wines. We have already talked about rosé, which was fantastic, made from Grenache. But let's talk about the, the other wines that you have. You've shared the Zinfandel with me, the 2021 Zen, which comes from that Oak Knoll property. Share the highlights of that wine with our listeners. Yeah, so this is a really exciting shift in our business. Um, we purchased this vineyard in 2018 and planted to 10 different varietals. Um, and it's in the Oak Knoll district of Napa Valley, which is an AVA that is widely known for its diversity in varietals planted. You can find a whole lot of different varietals in the Oak Knoll district. Um, and Zinfandel especially is a favorite varietal um, for Cliff Family Winery, as it is one of our owner, our, our co-owner Gary Erickson and his wife Kit Crawford. Um, it's one of Gary's favorite uh, varietals, and he um, we've always made Gary's Improv, and that's like Gary's flagship wine. And we have Kit's Killer Cab, and that's Kit's flagship wine. Um, so this is an expression of Zinfandel from the new estate, and I love the freshness and acidity on this wine. I love that it's deeply dark, darkly colored, has amazing color, um, and it has a really nice balance of tannin where um, it's enough to balance the alcohol and the, the fresh acidity that we have here, but not overwhelming. Um, and it has really amazing length. I think this is a wine that um, sits on your palate for quite some time, which to me makes it very food friendly. Um, and so this is the inaugural vintage. Um, and uh, we have the 2022 that's already in bottle and the 23 still on the vine. And how much of this wine do you make? Um, this particular vintage was hovering around 500 cases. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's something that will definitely grow over time. We also make the Gary's Improv um, from the same vineyard. Uh, just I have a couple of different blocks of Zin, a couple of different clones, and I also sometimes blend a little tiny bit of Petite Syrah. Okay. And mm -hmm. then she shared this very extra special, very yummy Cliff Family winery Hal Mountain Cab which is to die for. Let's talk about that one. What vintage is that? So this was the 2018, um, and we have two Cabernet vineyards on Howell Mountain. This particular site is called the Cold Springs Vineyard. Um, the other one is our Croquet Vineyard. Um, so this winery, this sorry, this vineyard is 5.5 acres, and it's on the south side of Howell Mountain. So the exposure is very much... Um, uh, more from the Napa Valley weather pattern. So when the fog rolls into the Napa Valley um, and layers and blankets the valley floor, this vineyard sits right above the fog. So it still has a ton of morning sunshine, um, but it has that cool air that comes from the fog layer. So it does, tends to be about 
10 to 12 degrees cooler at our Cold Springs Vineyard than our Croquet Vineyard. Um, and 2018 was actually a fairly cool year. Um, so this is a great example of uh, Cold Springs at its finest. Um, very Bordeaux in style. Um, and I think it's exceptional because it, the fruit gets a ton of hang time. So most of the viticultural milestones are, are pretty neck and neck with our other Cabernet vineyards. But because it's so cool, it tends to hang on the vine until right before that first harvest ending rain. Um, so I get a lot of tannin resolution, but I don't get a lot of sugar accumulation. So I'm able to make kind of a, a very balanced, moderate alcohol wine with really beautiful tannin balance, some nice fresh acidity because it's a cooler site. The elevation keeps the berries really small, so I get beautiful extraction. Um, and this one is about 80% new French oak. For a cab, it's got such great black and red fruit flavors, but really soft. I found it very soft and very mm-hmm. approachable and for a Howl Mountain cab. It's yeah, fantastic. And, you know, I think people appreciate this wine because it is a little um, more approachable upon release. Mm-hmm. The croquet tends to really need a, at least a couple of years in the cellar, and this one is definitely more drinkable at a younger age. We've talked about how Cliff Family Winery is farming organically. Why is that so important? It is a pillar of our business, sustainability as a whole. Um, So Kit and Gary, uh, they ran Cliff Bar, uh, Cliff Bar and Company for 30 plus years. um, And they built that business based off of what they called their five aspirations, and it is sustaining our business, sustaining our brand, sustaining our community, our people, and our planet. So really taking sustainability to the next level beyond just sustainable farming. Um, and when we, when we brought that concept to Cliff Family Winery, um, it made so much sense here. We have this tasting room where we're sitting today that is a community hub Um, We have events here. One example is our Sip and Supports, where we donate money to um, a local cause, and we have the community come and have dinner and wine and sustaining our people. We have a beautiful, huge staff uh, of people that love to be here. Um, They take great care of us. Um, We spend a lot of time volunteering. We just, it's just, It's just bringing sustainability really to a much deeper level. Um, And organic farming is one piece of that puzzle. And it is a a, a non-negotiable, we wouldn't do it any other way piece of the puzzle. Um, So we're actually going this year to um, making a move to get our regenerative farming organic farming certificate we're napa green certified we're as a business we're b corp certified that was a um a huge uh win for us last year so um it's definitely on the forefront of every single decision we make across all departments not just agriculture let's talk briefly about the 2023 vintage what do you think about it It's really exciting. We just got started. Harvest is that time of year, no matter what's going on, where you just get a little giddy because it's happening and the anticipation, and we've been working towards it for months in the growing season. And so I harvested my first grapes on Tuesday. Uh, It was Sauvignon Blanc that will go into our root Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc. 
and it came from the Oak Knoll Vineyard. It's delicious. It's just in the juice phase. We racked it this morning. It's it's my first pick, so I like to pick one one half of the, the fruit on the earlier side and the other half a little riper. It gives me a nice balance in the finished blend. Um, so lower sugar, really fresh acidity, great aromatics. Um, the season has been cool after a very wet winter, so we have a lot of groundwater. Um, we've done very little irrigation this season, which is great, coming off of several drought years. Um, we had great canopy development because of the rain, um, but it was definitely cool, you know, because it rained so late into the into the spring, and we had a very cold June. It really didn't accumulate any heat until July, so we're behind schedule. What I'm noticing, though, is that they're very site specific. I mean, I, you might go to one block and you're expecting everything to be two to three weeks behind and, and some of them are not. (laughs) So it's a season to definitely uh, be paying attention as they all are. But, um, uh, there are some surprises out there, no doubt. Um, we are hoping that we have an extended fall season so that if we if we get early rain, it will cut it a little short. So we really need that ripening time into late October. So everyone's crossing their fingers for that, but I'm hopeful. Um, I have a positive attitude and always, you know, really, really um, anticipating the best that can happen. I'm very optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, next week's going to get really busy. I'm picking the rest of my Sauvignon Blanc and then some early Chardonnay for our unoaked Chardonnay. And so that'll keep me busy all week next week. So a good vintage outlook? Great vintage outlook so far. Definitely will be a cooler vintage like 2010. A lot of people are comparing comparing it to 2010, um, 2018 as we tasted today. That's another cool vintage. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's now shift to your personal life. You live here in St. Helena. You've lived in St. Helena almost your, the entire time you've lived in California. How did you choose St. Helena? You could have lived anywhere in the Napa Valley. How did you pick it? I, I think I, you know, I dappled in each part of the valley. I had a couple years in Napa and a couple years in Calistoga. And I came to St. Helena because I had two young kids, and there are great schools here. And, and it's a great family, community town, close to work. Um, it made sense. It's a little more accessible to uh, the city of Napa and or San Francisco, Bay Area, airports. Um, Calistoga is felt a little too far north. Right. Um, but really, I came for the community, for, the, for my and family. If we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What's your decorating style? It's pretty simple. Um, okay. Yeah, colors? I, colors, grayish. <laughs> <laughs> Grayish, they call it. Um, yeah, I keep things pretty, pretty simple at home. Um, I love, to, you know, I love to cook. Um, so my kitchen is busy. Like right now, there's a flat of peaches from my yard on the counter. There are a lot of tomatoes, uh, soon to be okay, she's cartons, of, cartons yeah. of figs. Gardener, love being in the yard. Um, but decorating style, just keep it keep it simple. Okay, yeah. favorite room in your house? Kitchen. Is, okay. Kitchen. I kitchen. could spend all my time in the kitchen. I want to sit there in the morning and drink my coffee, and I want to sit there at night and drink my wine, and in between, feed my kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and eat a lot of great and food. Yes, right? definitely. Great fresh food. Yeah, food is a huge part of our business and our lives. When you have a chance to kick back and relax, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, I am more of a kind of a folk style, bluegrass, pretty laid back, uh, pretty laid back music. Um, we just went to see the Band of Horses and the Revivalist play at the Greek Theater in Berkeley. Those oh, are the kinds of yeah. things that I like to do. Okay. Other than gardening, do you have a hobby? Do you collect anything? Mm-hmm. I collect wine. That's about <laughs> the only thing I collect. Everybody collects we all wine collect in wine. Valley, yeah. In wine country. Um, my hobbies are we love to hike. We spend a lot of, you know, I, I like to go to Lake Hennessy in the evenings during the summer at like seven o'clock at night where there's the one chance during the day to see some wildlife out there it's cooler you know the walks around there are casual and fun and beautiful and just a nice peaceful experience um i love to do yoga yoga has been a great um great activity for me um this decade of my life and then just spending time with my kids is there a meaningful trip a meaningful or memorable trip that you can tell us about yeah, absolutely. My most memorable trip was in late February, early March of 2020. We all remember that time. <laughs> um, I went to Africa. I spent a week in Johannesburg. I spent a week in Cape Town. And I spent a week in Mauritius, which is a very remote island off the East Coast, like even further east than Madagascar. Um, and that was like the minute before COVID shut the world down, I literally came home on March 15th and uh, nobody went to work on March 16th. So it's memorable because of the timing, but it was also just an amazing experience. I had never been. We did safari and wildlife viewing. We did wine in Cape Town and we did beach life in Mauritius. And it was just such a fabulous trio. It was like three vacations all packed into one. How wonderful. Yeah, don't was, you want to do it again? I definitely want to do it again. Where you don't have COVID on, on the heels of your trip. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you were even thinking about it because that was an unknown. It was yeah. a complete unknown. I remember leaving and thinking, well, should I bring a mask? You know, and then masks became this, like the way of life. Right. And, and I, I didn't even really know where to find one or if I should bring one. Well, it sounds like a, a magical time. And one worth repeating. Definitely. What do you do to make sure that you have a successful dinner party? When, you, when you're pulling together some guests or friends, do you have a go-to dish? Is there like a certain music that you put on? Uh, is, what do you do to set the evening up for success? Yeah, I think it's all about preparation for me. And this is probably a, a sneak peek just into my personality in general. Must be really organized, have mm-hmm. everything prepped, and be able to execute quickly and simply and easily. So a lot of prep work. So I would work all day for my dinner party. I'm not, you know, I can't, I don't, I'm not the type of person that's just going to throw it together at the last minute because I want to be able to spend time with my guests. And so um, to be able to sit down and enjoy happy hour with them instead of sweating, out, sweating it out in the kitchen is right. far more enjoyable for me. So planning, organization, and preparation. And that's really, that's true of pretty much everything I do. Well, I think we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? I'm ready. I okay. Hope. What kind of car do you drive? 
I drive a Toyota RAV4. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Mm, roses. Okay. Who's your dream dinner guest? You could dine with anyone. Who would it be? My dream get dinner guest would be both of my grandparents. They owned a restaurant. They love food, and I'd love to be able to have them in my home eating the food that I prepared for them and pouring them the wine that I made. Okay. What's your favorite city, the city you can go back and, and visit again and again and again? I love New York City, and I would want to go back again and again because I... I love it in small doses. I want to go for a weekend, and then I want to go back again for another weekend. And last question. What is one word that best describes you? Organized. Laura, you are fantastic and so much fun to, to hang out with today, and I really appreciate you sharing some more with you, too. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.